Take a Bibles, please, and turn to Luke chapter 2. Start reading in verse 21 of Luke chapter 2. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was no, so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. When the days of a purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him as the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant die and depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall also, uh, sorry, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also. That, there, uh, that the thoughts of my many hearts may be revealed. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for your word this evening. We do pray that, Lord, as we look into it, you'd bless our hearts. You'd encourage us through its truth. And Lord, I pray that uh, we exalt you as we study your word together. Give me wisdom, Father, as I, study, as I present your word. Lord God, that this study of your word would be all of you and that you receive all the praise and all the glory. Guide our time together now in the word of God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. At the time of Christ's birth, much of Israel had turned from God and was living in apostasy. However, there was a faithful remnant of Jews in Israel that were looking forward to Messiah. And perhaps the first person or one of the people to see clearly for the first time that the Son of God was born to die was this old man, Simeon. And we know a little about this man who was in the temple, except that he was a righteous man, he was a conscientious man uh, concerning the Word of God. We're told that Simeon was righteous and devout. Look in verse 25, it says about him, it says, uh, and behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And so he was a just man, he was a devout man. 
who was looking for the consolation of Israel. And the consolation of Israel there is a reference to the uh, promise of the coming of Messiah. So by faith, he was looking forward to the fulfillment of the promise of the coming of Messiah, the blessing that Israel will receive when their Messiah came. In fact, he lived in anticipation of the birth of the one who was the Messiah. And Simeon also was a man who was filled with the Holy Ghost. Three times Luke speaks here in this chapter about this man Simeon. Three times he speaks about the Holy Spirit's work in the life of Simeon. He read the scriptures and under the tutelage of the Holy Spirit he realized that the time of the birth of the anticipated anointed Savior was at hand. This man was such a man of God that the Lord made a promise to him. He promised him that he would not die till he'd seen Christ. Look in verses 25 and 26. The end of verse 25 is, And the Holy Ghost was upon him, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So this man who loved the Lord, who was looking forward to Messiah, this man who was led by the Holy Spirit, is now given instruction by the Spirit of God that he's not going to die until such time as he'd seen the Lord's Christ. When Simeon saw Christ, his heart rejoiced, and it caused him to praise God with a song. You know, at this time of the year as we lead up to Christmas, and uh, uh, it doesn't seem like it's uh, time to be Christmas again already, but it's just around the corner... And as we look to the time whereby we think of the Lord's birth, you know, we love to sing. We love to sing the Christmas carols. I mean, the kids have already started picking those Christmas carols because they love to sing them. And if we let them, they sing them all year round. But, uh, uh, you know, we have to restrict them at least to November, December. And uh, they love the Christmas carols. And I love the Christmas carols. And most of us love Christmas carols. There are one or two who don't particularly like them. But for the most part, we all love Christmas carols. And we love the Christmas carol service and we love this time of the year. We love to sing about the birth of our Saviour. And so tonight, let's consider Simeon's threefold song. It is so easy for us to forget uh, the meaning of Christmas. You know, not forget what Christmas is about, but to forget in the hustle and bustle of Christmas to remember what we're doing at Christmas time. It's easy to get so caught up in all the events of Christmas and we don't take time to stop and think about the Christ of Christmas. And we fail to praise him as we ought. But we, like Simeon, should offer up songs of praise to the Lord for our Saviour. And our songs of praise, like Simeon, should be first their worship song. Look at verses 27 to 29. We read this. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. When the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him as the custom of the law... Then took he up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. You know, Simeon, as we said, was a faithful Jew. He was one of the uh, unique ones in Israel at this time. He was actually looking for the Messiah. He longed for Messiah to come. And he was ready for the coming of Messiah. He was waiting, as we read in verse 25, for the consolation of Israel. Now, the word consolation means to call to one side to cheer. And here it refers to messianic hope, 
Come back with me to Isaiah chapter 11, please. Isaiah chapter 11. And verse 10. It says, And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which stand for an ensign of the people, and it shall be that the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. This is the one that's been talked about, this root of Jesse, this one who shall stand as an ensign of his people, this one who will be to the Gentiles someone that they seek, and it will be a glorious event. And that's what Simeon is looking forward to. He's read the Old Testament. He knows the Old Testament prophecies. He knows the Old Testament truth. And he longs to see this one who will cheer the nation. This one who will cheer the nations, both Gentile and Jewish. This messianic hope. Something else that we note about him, he was a just man. It says there back in verse 25, not only was uh, a, his name Simeon, but the same man was just. The word just is the word righteous. And by implication, it means this man was a saved. He was a born-again man. He was a man who actually did believe in God and believed in uh, the God of the, the word of uh, God and believed in uh, him for his saviour, for his salvation. He was not working as the Pharisees were to get to heaven. He was trusting in God. He was a just man. He was righteous. He says he was devout in verse 25. The word devout implies that this man lived for the Lord. He went about his daily devotions serving God. This righteous man who longed for the Messiah day in, day out, lived for his God. This was not a man who just was going through the motions. This is not a man who was just uh, pretending or just going through the, the daily ritual because that's what you did at the temple. This was a man who longed to see Messiah. This was a man who was just before Almighty God, who was devout. He was dedicated to serving the Lord. And he lived his life expecting God to fulfill his promise of Messiah. He lived his life daily expecting that God was going to do something special every day for him. He believed that God was going to speak to him. This is the man who was filled with the Holy Spirit he was a man who was led by the Holy Spirit. He was a man who longed to see the Messiah and listen to the voice of God. He lived a life believing that God was going to use him. God was going to bless him. And you know, it's therefore no wonder. When you look at the character of the man of Simeon, and we don't know an awful lot about him, but what's said about him is pretty powerful. When you consider the character of the man of Simeon, it's no wonder that he was a man who daily expected the Messiah to come. He longed for the consolation. The idea of that is that this man, every morning he got up, he was praying that the Messiah would come that day. So the man who longed for Messiah to come every day of his life, he was a man who longed for that day to see Christ. You know, Simeon may have known that there were rumors of something happening regarding the coming of Messiah there in Jerusalem. You know, he went to the temple that day, and I'm sure what was on his mind was the rumors he'd heard, the stories he'd heard of what had taken place. I mean, he'd heard about John the Baptist. And uh, the meaning of John the Baptist's birth and name was widely publicized. 
Go back to Luke chapter 1 and verse 63. Luke 1, 63. This is, this is uh, John's father, Zacharias. He says in verse 63, And he asked for a writing table and wrote, saying, His name is John. And they marveled all. And his mouth was opened immediately and his tongue loosed. And he spake and praised God. And fear came, upon, came on all that dwelt round about them. And all these sayings were noised abroad throughout all the hill of Judea. And all they that heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What manner of child shall this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. This is the story they've heard. It is spreading through Judea, and I'm sure it's reached Jerusalem. That John the Baptist had been born, and that he was a unique man. He was a special man, chosen of God to be the... Uh, be the forerunner to the Messiah. I'm sure that he'd heard that. I'm sure that what happened to the shepherds in the first part of chapter 2 has reached the, uh, the uh, ears of, uh, of uh, 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 Simeon there in Jerusalem. You know, you don't have something happen up in Bethlehem whereby shepherds are watching their sheep by night and the angel of the Lord appears to them and then a heavenly host join them singing praise to God about the Savior is born, and they then go throughout all the streets of Bethlehem telling the story uh, of this one that was born after they'd seen the babe that was born. I'm sure that does not uh, uh, contain itself to Bethlehem. I'm sure the news has spread far and wide. And Simeon may well have heard these stories. And moved by the Holy Spirit... This godly man goes up from the temple, according to verse 27, and came by, and he came by the Spirit into the temple. And the interesting thing here is he went to the temple at the precise moment when the infant Jesus was being brought into the precincts by his parents. Look at verse 27 again. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him as the custom of the law... So Simeon's led of the Holy Spirit into the temple at the same time that Christ's parents are bringing him to the temple. You know, Simeon was in the right place at the right time. But it wasn't by chance. It wasn't by accident. You see, here is a man who is led by the Spirit of God, who God's given a promise to him that he's not going to die before he sees the Lord's Christ. And on this day, the Spirit of God moves him to go into the temple at the exact time that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is going to be presented by his parents. You know, the word specifically notes that he was moved by the Spirit to go into the temple courts. It's reasonable to assume that Simeon went to the temple that day with an expectation of seeing something special. I mean, if the Spirit of God tells you, today I want you at the temple at this time, don't you think he'd be going to the temple with an expectation that something special was going to happen that day? Now, he's not aware of what's going to happen that day, but here is a man who's led by the Spirit of God. He's told to go to the temple. He does as he's told, and I'm sure as he's going, I wonder what's going through his mind. He's heard the story of John the Baptist. He's heard the story of the shepherds 
and the angelic host. He has been promised by the Holy Spirit he'll not die till he sees the Lord's Christ. And then the Lord says to him, go to the temple. I wonder whether he was thinking in his heart, maybe today. Maybe today. You know, Simeon knew how to be led by the Holy Spirit, both in hearing God's word and hearing God's promises and believing God's promises and being prompted by the Holy Spirit to go up to the temple at the right time. I was thinking about that this week. You know, like Simeon, you and I need to be spirit-led and spirit-filled believers, don't we? You know, if you and I were spirit-led and spirit-filled, then who knows the blessings that will be ours as we serve the Lord. He stands as a testimony as someone who is spirit-led and spirit-filled, and because he is, God blesses him in a special way. And if you and I will allow the Spirit of God to lead us, the Spirit of God to fill us, then you and I will also be the recipients of great blessing. He's a great example to us. In Luke chapter 2, and verses 22 to 24, we're informed as to why it is that Mary and Joseph are going to the temple at this time. And they're going to the temple to fulfill the third ceremony that was required by the law after the birth of a child. Go back to verse 22, and we read this. When the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as is written in the law of the Lord. Every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. So they're going up to the temple to fulfill the obligation of the law. It's interesting that they're going to offer up two uh, pigeons or two turtle doves, which means they're very poor. Okay, because this is the sacrifice of the poor. They're going to offer up the sacrifice of the poor so you know that Mary and Joseph are not rich. And they make their way up to the temple to fulfill the law. The first ceremony under the law, according to Leviticus chapter 2, of any male child that was born was circumcision. The second ceremony, according to Numbers 18, is the presentation of the firstborn son who belongs to the Lord. And the third was the purification ceremony, which was required by the Lord after the birth of a child. The mother, you see, was considered to be ceremonially unclean after birth, according to Leviticus chapter 12. And for a boy, the mother was unclean for seven days and unable to enter the sanctuary for another 33 days. And this means when they bring their child, they bring Jesus up to the temple, and for this ceremonial response to the purification of the mother, it means that Jesus would have been around six weeks old at his presentation. And it was on this occasion that Simeon appeared to announce that Jesus was God's Messiah and the Savior of the world. Because the moment he sees the child Jesus, he recognizes that Jesus is the Messiah. And he took him in his arms and he blessed him. Verse 28, then took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Simeon immediately recognizes this child to be the Messiah. 
after a life of waiting for Messiah. One can only imagine the joy that he experiences at that moment. Think of it. Here is a man who knew God. Here is a man who knew that God held him in the palm of his hand. He so trusted his God that everything about his life, his devotion and his walk and his daily routine was all about his God who he held him in his hand. And now he holds Messiah in his hands. I don't think you and I can begin to imagine the joy in this man's heart. I don't think you and I can begin to imagine what he must have felt that day. This is the day he's longed for. This is the day he has prayed about, day in, day out. Every day he's gone about his devotion. He's thinking, is today the day? And God's told him, you're not die until he sees the Lord's Christ. And he's thinking, maybe today I'll see the Christ. Maybe today I'll see the Christ. And on this day, he's led the Spirit into the temple. And as he comes to the temple, he's met by Mary and Joseph with the child. The Messiah. And he's thankful. He blesses God for this child. God had made a promise to him. Now he blesses God for keeping his promises. Look what he says in verse 29. Lord, now let thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. He'd been promised that he would not die till he saw the Lord's Christ. But he says to God, thank you because I've seen thy salvation. This man was a man who understood the significance of the coming of Messiah. He understood that the coming of Messiah was not about the king to sit upon the throne of David. But he understood the significance of the coming of Messiah the first time was because he was the saviour of the world. I said there was few in Israel who understood this. And he's one of them. He understands. You know, Mary and Joseph have been told that he was named should be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from, the, from their sins. So they had been told by an angel what Jesus would do. The uh, heavenly host had informed the shepherds as to what Christ would do. Christ the Savior is born. But here's a man who has simply been told by the Spirit of God, as he studied the Word of God and been led by the Spirit, he's been told that he'll not die till he sees the Lord's Christ, and he understands that means that salvation has come. You know, we can rejoice this time of the year along with Simeon, can't we? Because God kept his promise. Way back in Genesis, when Adam and Eve sinned, God made a promise that he would send one day his son who would defeat Satan, would win the victory for you and I, and he would die in our place. And God, throughout the Old Testament, reiterated that promise over and over again through every sacrifice those high priests made, through every situation that God led the nation of Israel through. He taught them over and over and over again that Christ was coming. He'd made a promise in Isaiah in chapter 7 and chapter 9. He promised that Christ would come. He talked about the root out of Jesse. He'd made a promise about the suffering Savior in Isaiah 53. Throughout the Word of God, he made a promise to you and to I 
that one day Jesus Christ would come and die in our place and with Simeon you and I can rejoice. We can truly sing, can't we? Peace on earth, goodwill toward all men. Why? Because Christ the Saviour is born. Thousands of years have passed between Genesis and Christ coming in Matthew. And through those thousands of years, God had made promise after promise after promise about the Saviour. And now he had come. You know, Christmas should remind us that God is faithful. He keeps his promises. Christmas should cause you and I to sing songs of worship. And I trust this Christmas as we sing the Christmas carols, which are the old familiar songs, we sang about that tonight, that we don't sing them just because they're old and familiar, that you and I will take note of the words because the Christmas carols actually have some pretty significant words about our Saviour. And we should worship our God in song. Let's not forget this Christmas to praise him for keeping his promises. Secondly, it's a salvation song. In verses 29 and 30, it says, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. You know, as Simeon waited in the temple court, Mary and Joseph brought in their firstborn son to the temple. They brought their son, their child, to name him, to present him to the Lord. As I said earlier, they would have come with ready to offer up the sacrifice required for this ceremony. They would have brought their two turtle doves or their two pigeons ready to offer up the sacrifice, as verse 24 tells us, and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. We don't know which one they brought, but they were prepared to offer up the sacrifice. Now, I don't know if your imagination can picture the scene here, but... You know, here is this man, this godly man, who is just busting at the seams to see his Savior. Been thinking about that every day. Today, the Holy Spirit has told him to go up to the temple, and he's pretty excited about all this. Mary and Joseph, on the other hand, are simply just going to present Christ at the temple according to the law. Okay? So for them, this is you know, somewhat a, 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 a routine event, if you like. Not that they've done this before, but as far as Jews are concerned, this is just something normal. So you've got, you've got Mary and Joseph who know who Christ is, and Mary's hiding all this in her heart, and she's pretty excited about the whole thing. But you know, they come out of the temple simply to do what God requires in the law. On the other hand, you've got Simeon who's busting at the seams for the day that he'll see his... Messiah, because God has promised him he'll not die before he sees the Lord's Christ. So they come in to offer up the sacrifice, but before they were able to perform even one aspect that's required in the ritual, <laughs> Simeon approaches them. And notice what he does. It says in verse 20, 28, Then took he up in his arms and blessed God and said, they walk in with a child ready to go through the ritual. Obviously, maybe they haven't even bought the turtle doves yet or the pigeons. That's why we're not told what they got. But whatever, he takes the child and he starts to bless God. I, I, I don't know what Mary and Joseph's response was at this time. It doesn't say, but, you know, 
You can imagine that uh, Simeon is just now beaming from ear to ear. He is just so thankful. And he's got the Lord in his arms and he blesses God. He says, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. And then he says this. He says in verse 29, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. He says, I'm ready to die. I'm ready to die. The fear of death is gone. Why? Because salvation in the form of a babe of Bethlehem has come. See, he knows that in Christ, death is about to be swallowed up in victory. The promised one who will indeed take care of the sin problem, is in his arms. He's assured of a saviour. And therefore, that saviour is the means of salvation. And the means of salvation is eternal life. Now we can rest in peace for his saviour come. Now it's not that this man is so old that he's about ready to drop dead on the spot. That's not the implication of these verses. What it's saying is he's saying, Lord, I have now seen your Christ and I am ready to depart when you're ready for me to go. Eternity was settled for him. You know, he was a man who loved God. He was devout. He was a man who was born again. But you know, there was a faith in something to come. But now that he's come, he can rest in his Savior. The word depart there in verse 29 means to release a prisoner, to untie a strap, to take down a tent, to unyoke a beast. And they're all good descriptions, aren't they, of what happens when a Christian dies. You know, you and I released... From this world, you and I untie a strap that ties us, tethers to this old world. We take down the tent and we're unyoked from our burdens. All because of Christ. Simeon was not afraid of death or the future. For with the coming of Christ, death would be swallowed up in victory. Now he didn't know that verse in 1 Corinthians, we do. But the concept's the same. He was ready to die because he knew the Savior was born. Christ had come. And Christ's coming freed him from the burdens of this life and gave him hope for the next. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation. You know, we should praise the Lord tonight, not only because he keeps his promises, but because his Son, the Savior, has come. And now we have hope. You know, I love Christmas. I, I, you know, regardless of when Christ was born, date-wise, and it wasn't December 25th, but regardless of when he was born, I love the fact that we get to celebrate his birth. I don't know about you, but I love it. I love singing about the fact that Christ was born to die. I love to sing about... The fact that in a you know, silent night, holy night, and I love to sing about angels we have heard in high. I love to sing about all those things 
because it speaks about that most joyous day in man's history when God left heaven's glory in the form of his son and Jesus Christ left his glory and he came to earth as God incarnate. He dwelt among us and he lived and he died, was buried and rose again the third day, but it all started with his incarnation. I love Christmas I love Easter. They're the two most special times of year. I love to be in church on those two times of the year. I love to be able to celebrate his birth and his death and his resurrection. But Christmas is special because not only did God keep his promise, but salvation came. We can be assured of eternal life because of Christ. With his birth, as he came as a sinless sacrifice for sinners like you and I, eternity was secured. With his death, Christ conquered death. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 55. Verses we know well, but these are such good verses. 1 Corinthians 15, 55. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which give us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. And then go to Hebrews chapter 9. Because with his blood he washed away our sins. And Hebrews chapter 9, verse 21 to 28 tells us that. Hebrews 9, 21. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the, of the ministry. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifice than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but in the heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often, as the high priest entered into the holy place every year with blood of others, for them must he have often suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice himself. And as it was appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear our sins, uh, sorry, to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. You know, he died and shed his blood that we might be washed in the blood of the Lamb. And he's coming a second time for the conclusion of our salvation, our glorification. With his birth and death and resurrection, Christ offers you and I hope of salvation. And when we place our faith and trust in him, we're saved. He offers salvation full and free to all who will believe. And one day he's coming again 
and he's going to complete the gift of salvation without glorification. And if that cannot cause you and I to praise God, then something is wrong with us, isn't it? Because we have a glorious Savior. And at Christmas time, we can sing the song of salvation for the Savior is born. He was born to die. Because now through faith in him, we have hope for the future. And we can be ready to pass from this life to glory. We can say with Simeon that I am ready to depart because of Calvary and because of Christmas our Savior was born. It's a wonderful worship song. It's a wonderful salvation song. But you know it's also a missionary song. Look at verse 31 and 32. Which thou hast prepared before the face of all people a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. You know, there's a lot of unusual things happening this day in this temple. There's a, there's a man who has been led by the Spirit of God to this event. He's been promised that he will not die till he sees the Lord's Christ. He's now excited about the salvation that the Lord has sent and he's given blessing and praise unto God. But you know, one of the strangest things that happens this day in the temple is that a Jew standing in the Jewish temple declares that salvation has come for Jew and Gentile. Wouldn't you like to have met this man, Simeon? I mean, this man has, has an understanding of the word of God that most people in his day did not even dream of understanding. He, he understood that when Messiah came, Messiah was coming for the salvation of all men, not just the Jews. Most people of that day were looking for Messiah to be king, to overthrow the Roman Empire, to sit upon the throne of David, to establish the nation of Israel as the great kingdom. That's what they longed for. Even Christ's disciples thought that was the case. Remember, after his resurrection, standing there on the Mount of Olives before he ascends up to heaven, they said, will thou at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They didn't even have the concept and the depth of understanding that this man had. But he understands that Messiah is first and foremost saviour to bring salvation to Jew and Gentile. Because that's what he says in verse 32. He says, no, sorry, verse 31. Which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Now this is what the Jews ought to have been doing anyway. You know, God intended the nation of Israel to be a witness to the world. The reason why he made them distinct, the reason why he made them different than everybody else, the reason why he gave them all the, the rituals and everything else he gave them, one of the reasons for that was not only to point to Christ, but so they could point others to Christ. So what Simeon is doing is what everybody should have been doing, but they missed Simeon understands this. Because he was a man of faith, he was a devout and just man who longed for the consolation of Israel. And he says that Christ came as Savior, a light to the Gentiles. He says a light to lighten the Gentiles. The word lighten there means a revelation by unveiling. 
or a manifestation. He says Christ has come to unveil the understanding to the Gentiles about salvation. That salvation was for them. You see, the Gentiles were in darkness. They were, they were in darkness spiritually. They were in darkness religiously. They were serving false gods and false idols. And Jesus Christ was coming to shine a light for them that they might indeed have unveiled for them an understanding of salvation. Isn't that what Titus tells us? For the grace of God has appeared to all men, teaching us the nine gods and so on. But the grace of God has appeared to all men. Well, this is it. He appeared to all men. The Gentiles were in days of darkness. They were, they were uh, entrenched in idolatry and wickedness. But Christ came to bring light to them. Go back to go forward, if you would, to John chapter 1, please. John chapter 1. Verses 4 and 5, Pastor mentioned it this morning, but same verses again, John chapter 1, 4 and 5, talking about Christ. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and darkness comprehended not. He came as a light to give life, and that life was the light to men, shining for all to be saved. In fact, it says in John chapter 1, and verse 11, it says, uh, sorry, verse 10, it says, He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came in his own, his own received him not. But as many as received him, them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. He came to bring salvation to all. And Simeon understood that, and Simeon proclaims that as he holds this babe in his arms. I wonder whether Mary smiled to herself right now. Because she knew this. And remember when the angel came to her, angel Gabriel came to her and told her what was to happen, how that she was to have a child of the Holy Ghost and that child was to be the Messiah, the Savior. I wonder whether she's standing there, she's smiling as Simeon's making this testimony. I don't know what Joseph's thinking. You know that struggle that he had when he found out that Mary was pregnant and then the angel comes to him and says, don't worry. Because the child that she's bearing is of the Holy Ghost and you shall call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. And as he is, Simeon testified to this. I wonder whether these two are smiling. Because Simeon understands the truth. It says to Israel in verse 32 there, it says, And the glory of thy people Israel. You know, to Israel, Christ was coming in glory, their king, and he'd come. He came to restore glory to Israel, not this time, but ultimately. But he was their king. And they could now rejoice that God had not forgotten them, that Christ's coming would restore to them ultimately the glory of that them being the chosen nation of Israel had been given to them. They'd been chosen to share the gospel message. And now they could share that glory with all mankind. They could glory in the knowledge that the Savior of the world had come. 
and they could share the message with all, all the world. Simeon declares Christ has come so that all can be saved. He's come to bring light to the lost, salvation to all men. And you know, we can rejoice tonight in the fact that Christ has come so that all men might be saved. Romans 10, 13 tells us, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We have a wonderful missionary song to sing at Christmas time. A glorious message to share with the world. We can sing joy to the world. The Lord has come. Because Jesus Christ came as Savior for the world. The message of Christmas is that the Savior of the world is come. Like Simeon of old, we can rejoice, and we do rejoice, in the coming of our Savior. We can praise Him tonight for keeping His promises. Praise Him for being our Savior. Praise Him that He's the Savior of all the world. And it's a special time of the year. Let's make sure we make much of Christ because it's all about Him. And without him, we could not be saved. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this night for your word. I thank you for the testimony of Simeon about the Savior. And, oh Lord, may we be as devout, may we be as faithful as Simeon, may we be spirit-filled, spirit-led believers May we be empowered of you to sing your praises <coughs> to a lost and dying world. That Christ the Saviour is born. And Lord, thank you for your word this night. Commend it to our hearts, we pray. And may we this Christmas remember to rejoice about our Saviour. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing closing hymn number 100.